Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, brought to you by Ceres. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. If there was any doubt that we've entered a new era for corporate boards, the 2021 proxy voting season dispelled it. Activist investors focused on accelerating the transition to clean energy, and BlackRock voted against 255 directors during the 2021 proxy year. Dr. Katrine Goulden-Lemarie is my guest today. She consults with companies on CSR, ESG, and impact investment initiatives, and advises boards of directors on their climate readiness and board diversity. She is also a member of the UK's all-party parliamentary group on ESG, and we're discussing several challenges that aging boards face in today's episode. But before we start, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. I'm thrilled to talk about the important work Ceres is doing. Ceres is a nonprofit organization working with the most influential capital market leaders to solve the world's greatest sustainability challenges. Through their powerful networks and global collaborations of investors, companies, and nonprofits, Ceres drives action and inspires equitable, market-based, and policy solutions throughout the economy. To learn more, go to series.org slash podcast. That's C-E-R-E-S dot org slash podcast. At Ceres, sustainability is the bottom line. Hello, Katrine, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you, Paul, for having me, and good afternoon to you from Paris. Thank you very much. What a nice thing to say. It's a beautiful afternoon, I hope, in Paris, because it's a beautiful morning or midday here in Mid-Hudson Valley. So, Katrine, we're going to jump right into the questions that you and I have talked about. And the first one is, what general insights can you share with us today about advising classic corporate boards on ESG issues and the low carbon energy transition? Well, I can share that there's a lot of work to be done still, Paul. And um, I think what we see is there remain critical gaps in board oversight. And I've shared with you a report already from INSEAD and BCG. And I think I use that title to adequately summarize the response to your question. And the title is called Non-Executive Directors Can Up Their Game Concerning Environmental, Social and governance, governance Issues. It's uh, This report is called the Board Pulse Check. It was published in March 2022. And interestingly, uh, and to my surprise, 70% of respondents within that report said um, they were moderate to non-effective at integrating ESG into company strategy and governance. And that these are board members, so highly experienced um, individuals and experts. And 53% of those said they are not effective at dedicating time to reflect on ESG and climate change. And complementary, or in addition to that, I read last week in the Financial Times that auditors on top of it, fail climate risk assessment um, and actually don't audit companies sufficiently who uh, lack disclosure or who do not disclose enough the effects of climate-related risks and net zero emissions plans. 
So I think what we can see is that it's not that it's board governance failure and uh, that we often still overstate assets and we understate liabilities. And um, this is not a new thing, Paul. We know since, Cat since the Cadbury report in 1992, so that's 30 years ago, that we as board members as a whole are responsible for financial statements. You know, we have audit committees. We need to review, to recommend, and to discuss. So we have critical gaps in board oversight. And we have a lot of um, educational work to be done because, and I think that's a nice um, lead over because Sonia Tata, who was one of the authors of this INSEAD and BCG report, she is a board member of Chapter Zero over here in France. And Chapter Zero was founded in 2019. It's um, an organization which was founded by non-executive directors for the board community to increase climate awareness and climate education. Um, and because founding members felt the need to provide information that is relevant for the board community. And it was sort of after the World Economic Forum had published their report, how to set up effective climate governance on corporate boards. And the chapter zero is now growing very much. I, I can only encourage each listener who's on a board to um, check them out. They have over 30 chapters worldwide. They're in many countries present and they provide wonderful education on um, climate awareness. So um, we see that as a second thing. And then as a, and a third thing I could say, and this is not derogatory, it's just a remark, is that it's potentially um, the oversight failures also due to generational gaps because the average board member of a FTSE um, 250 company and S&P is over 60 years old. So the stakes, perceptions and urgencies vary for our different generations. So, Katrine, that brings up two things that uh, I wanted to follow with. The first one is we're going to include a copy of the Chapter Zero report. Um, we're going to attach it to the podcast program so that people can access that and have it available to read the entire document. And the second thing that it brings up is that we are now looking at a period of time where younger people are coming on onto corporate boards and in many cases now uh, we're we're developing in these large companies what we call what are referred to as horizon boards so let's talk about what horizon boards are and how they function differently from classic boards Right. So you mentioned two different things. I think one is the thing, the classic board is opening up and we have younger, by younger, let's face it, most of the younger board members are well beyond their, their early 40s as well, right? But a horizon board is something totally different. They're also called shadow boards or future committees. And they cons uh, they vary considerably because they have um, no official control nor governing function towards senior management, and um, they don't exercise a fiduciary duty or um, face any liability risks. They're basically complementary groups and teams that are set up by company management, and they're generally made up out of younger colleagues who are part of 
the millennial generation or increasingly now even Generation Z. And Pew Research um, defines that very well. Young millennials are born between 1987 and market signals much earlier. Team members ideally come from various departments and various functions, and if a company is international, also from varying countries. And what they do is, with a, with a horizon board, we increase a company's diversity or company's board diversity and senior management diversity. And this can help us avoid making costly mistakes, what we see is still not the norm, yeah, but they are increasingly being developed. And we have a few examples, certainly from the luxury goods sector, the hotel sector, and I found one also from um, the energy sector. But so far, uh, they do not feature prominently in the media. Now, they're making a contribution from within the infrastructure of a company, as I understand your remarks. So what, if any, impact are these horizon boards having uh, on ESG risk management, or are there uh, measurements of that process ongoing uh, that are um, identified with the horizon board rather than just for the entire corporation? Yeah, I, I come to the first part of the question first, what contribution I think they can make a considerable contribution. As far as I'm aware, um, from the outside, I haven't seen horizon boards used within ESG, but I think they should be for the ESG debate. So we face a variety of transition and disruption risks and opportunities, by the way, in our mitigation and adaptation processes towards net zero. Um, we have to discover and develop new opportunities and we have to manage those risks as well. And many of them are tied to megatrends. Climate change is, of course, climate change is a very obvious one, but we have water scarcity, mass migration, digitalization, globalization, automation. You know, we have changes in the work mentality, in education and family structures, even in legal structures. And those have a big impact on society, politics, and our economic systems, also our companies. And in my opinion, and I think in, in many CEOs' opinion now, they require multi-perspective thinking and reflection, multi-perspective reflection on our workplace realities. And this transcends senior management, which is usually made up of one or two generations only. And Paul, what is really interesting, we actually have up to five generations working simultaneously at the moment in our workplace. I mentioned millennials and Generation Z. There's Generation X. We have baby boomers. But we even have, and I think very prominently, for example, in US politics and business, uh, quite a few members from the silent generation who are 1928 to 1945, who really... Um, 
dominate the public space and um, strongly. So what this diversity in, in setting up a horizon board does, it, it helps us to avoid group thinking, which is normal, which is natural, yeah, not just within one's industry or sector, but also um, laterally just across our own generations. And but however, as a classic board member, classic in the sense as a somebody who has fiduciary beauty, duty and faces liability risks, I have a duty of care to inform myself accordingly in order to assess the risks and opportunities adequately for the company on whose board I sit. However, when I refer to those mega trends, they are so complex. They touch so many externalities and internalities. They're enormous. I cannot, I, we cannot cover these individually, let alone one board anymore, um, adequately. So I think a horizon board made up of younger employees um, is an ideal contribution to a classic board and for senior management. Well, I think that there's very clear perspective that you've presented regarding the involvement of multiple generations across the, uh, the company um, process uh, of working. And I like the examples that you offered. It seems to me that, uh, you know, high-end consumer products and, 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 um, and services are a key to the success of any corporation uh, in, in the developed markets today. But it, we also know from our years of study of ESG metrics that you can't manage what you don't measure. So is there empirical evidence available yet on the effectiveness of horizon boards regarding company competitiveness? I think that's a good question. And I have to say very little. But the fact that we can't quantify it at the moment doesn't mean that we shouldn't qualify it. So. We have some individual evidence um, in the luxury goods sector, for example, one public example, uh, because it was numerously uh, written about, was Gucci, which is part of caring. And I know those sectors, they use it often in, in order to discover trends very early. Um, but I think, um, you know, um, these trends are not particularly always related to ESG challenges. What we have is we have, like you mentioned, a lot of um, scientific evidence in terms of board diversity, you know, and this is mainly related to gender and ethnicity at the moment. I found one study from 2018 um, where this uh, researchers actually implemented also age and expertise, and there they found a um, a positive correlation in turn in, to stock return, which I found um, very interesting. We have Jennifer Jordan. She is a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMB Business School in Switzerland. And um, she has um, a few times featured in the Harvard Business Review. I think that can be easily um, accessed because um, th those articles are there both in German and in English. She writes a lot about horizon boards and she gives some concrete examples. And what we see, but this is limited, okay, so far. And I think it's also related to the fact that many of the people are so young. So we can't have longevity in scientific research because they're just coming into the workplace. What I think is a related phenomenon we see in, in, in Germany, 
I am German, even though I live in France, is that um, companies increasingly seek also reverse mentoring. That's not a necessary related to horizon boards, but it features more and more prominently. And Germany is a, is a very good example because we've, we have an enormous demographic challenge. We have, we have a population of 83 million inhabitants. We have about 13 million people retiring in the next few years, and we only have 8 million young people coming into the marketplace. So we need to start to listen, and um, we need to also become more attractive employers. And this is not, shouldn't be um, why we set up horizon boards, but we need to, need to give a much more considerable share of voice as we need to innovate and also adapt to very different requirements, um, i.e. A, a market that has changed from an employer-driven to an employee-driven market. Right. Now, of course, one of the big drivers of all market changes and fluctuations these days is climate. So as we transition from climate mitigation, which we're really starting to focus on now, to climate adaptation, what role can more diverse horizon boards and just more diverse boards play in strategic planning for companies? I think they can play an important role. Um, I think they can play an important role both in risk assessment and in corporate innovation. I referred to um, Gucci beforehand. One thing they apparently, what I read that they implemented is that the Horizon Board suggested um, waste reduction in their leather goods production. So I think these are um, very concrete examples. I also answer to you, you from a European perspective. We have the EU taxonomy and we have the do no significant harm. I think this will change and, and be enlarged significantly in the coming years as we try to adapt. So we have to discuss what this means. And I think the varying perspective, it means different things to our different generations. You and I are differently effective, affected um, than, for example, my, my children are. And um, I think this is going to be an, a challenge to incorporate, for example, the EU taxonomy. Um, many there there is there are still a lot of data gaps. There there is a lack of clarity on a lot of things. Um, it will be broadened with the corporate sustainability reporting directive, the CSRD, as of January 2023. So a lot of private markets company, medium-sized companies, will have to start to report. And I think. Um, Okay, how do the English say we need all hands on deck? I think we need all resources. We need to uh, to address this and to comply. And uh, we need to have different perspectives and innovative perspectives. And certainly younger people have um, a different attitude towards data. They can possibly help um, companies to collide and even yeah, detect data much earlier, you know, and go into markets and, and discover market signals, which can be then converted into relevant data. So I think it's an important role they play. Yes, I couldn't agree more. As you know, here in the US, the SEC is promulgating new rules and regulations. 
for public com publicly traded companies, and that uh, that influence is starting to uh, show up even in the private markets in the U.S. as well. And of course, what we also all know is that um, the EU taxonomy is uh, several years ahead of what we have seen so far in terms of regulation in the U.S., but uh, we're hoping to catch up soon. So my last question for you today is how can senior board members contribute to the effectiveness of Horizon boards during this transition? I think um, senior board members can um, contribute both practically and intellectually. So I think it starts with admitting that there is an information gap on many boards. This is already very, very important. And um, actively trying to exercise this duty of care to inform ourselves adequately. Um, I think we have the responsibility to initiate dialogue constructively once these boards are set up and that means that includes very much listening attentively yeah and asking the right questions a board a good board asks very good questions uh, we have to probe and to take up ideas and not dismiss them because boards other than often senior management who especially of quoted companies who thinks short to medium term a board is obliged to think about the long-term strategy Right. And um, so I think as we work together, uh, we have to master this paradigm change together and the transition and adaptation period. And that is costly for all of us. But the stakes are different for the younger generation. They are higher. And um, so we have to do this together. I think it shouldn't be an exclusive one or two generational tasks. It needs to be a true intergenerational task, each with their own responsibilities. And maybe last um, but not least, and that's not a board requirement as such, in my opinion, but I think it should be a requirement to all of us as we hopefully mature and not just age, is we need to give space to large visions. You know, and young people have large visions and they rightly should have them. And I think what we can do is then we can help them and guide them constructively so that we can all live as best as possible with all the effects this climate change has on us. And um, we need to give share of voice. And I think, but most of all, I think we need to give hope because it's a huge task ahead. Yes, you're absolutely right. And thanks for saying that as we close out today's program. And certainly, Katrina, there's so much more to talk about related to this topic and this group of topics. Uh, we'll certainly have to have you come back in the future and uh, bring us additional information. And thank you so much for taking the time today. Now, where online can our listeners find additional information on the role of diversity in effective board transitions? And how can they reach out to you with questions about the topics that we've discussed in today's episode? I think you can reach me best via LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm available. I think it makes sense to really look up Chapter Zero if you are a board member, an aspiring board member. And um, you said you would make the BCG INSEAD report available. And I think... Maybe if there are young people listening or if there are board members listening, propose it 
try it, set something up. We we learn through trial and error, and uh, you know we learn as we 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 go about. I think we can't lose on an horizon board, right? We can on this one. We can only win. Great. Well, thanks again to Dr. Katrine Golden Lemarie, and to our sponsor, the Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. The Series Accelerator is a center of excellence within Series that aims to transform the practices and policies that govern capital markets to reduce the worst financial impacts of the climate crisis. For more information, go to series.org/accelerator. That's C E R E S.org/accelerator. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Sustainable.